In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about hearing Adrian, re-education with a tire iron, tenuous links, TM, and secret would-you-rather questions in our discussion of The Fiery Heart by Rochelle Mead. This is going to be a good one, because Claire's a bit dumb. How's that different from any other episode, Claire? Oh, that would oh. be a sick burn if it wasn't so true. Oh, sick burn. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss The Fiery Heart by Michelle Mead. Standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book, then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This book was so good. I know. Do you know why? Because Oh, gosh, it's going to be terrible when I actually, like, talk to the people who I know who are actually called Adrian, because I'm going to be singing it at them. You're going to have to sing it all the time. Adrian! Hello, Uncle Adrian! What? I kind of wanted to do it in our discussion last week of Burden Falls slash Wicked Little Deeds, because we learn, although it's not included in the summary, that Dominic, the love interest... His middle name is Adrian, and I wanted to include it, and then I thought, no, I can't, I can't bring that into Cat's wonderfully horrible book. I have to keep it, yeah, to keep them separated. The two do not mix. They do not. No. They do not go together. It's too just twisty and gruesome and perfect in every way to have me. But you know what? When we do find out that his name is Adrian as I'm reading Wicked Little Deeds, I sang Adrian in my head as well. Of course. Of course. His name is Adrian. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. It's just perfect. It really is. It makes me happy. You know what else makes me happy? The background info that I found. Okay. Segway. That was actually like pretty on target. I know, right? It was it was better than it has been in the past. Ever. So, <laughs> so um, I went back mm. to our favorite Rochelle Mead old old live journal. Oh yes. I went to I, I, I went like to the blue succubus it. again. I know, I know, but it led me somewhere else mm. this time. Okay, so I was looking because on her live journal she has all these tags, and so anytime she mentions something multiple times, it'll show up with a tag. And so there was fiery heart, okay. but near you know, few things down the list was a Malachi Wolf tag. Okay. And so I thought, oh my god, okay, so I have to look at the Malachi Wolf tag and see. Just what terrible blog post she has written about Malachi Wolf. And upon reading the Malachi Wolf tag, I discovered... And it hasn't been updated since 2013. But Malachi Wolf has a Twitter. (gasps) (laughs) 
good. So I pulled out a couple of my favorites to share with everyone. And if you want to check him out on Twitter, he's at Malachi Wolf. Already on it. So everyone should go and, you know, check this out. But two of my favorite tweets are, Sorry for my absence. Had to track down the elusive chupacabra. Not a bad sort. Key to their heart is saltines. They love a good cracker. <laughs> and then another one that I really, really liked. Punched a rabid beaver. And because <laughs> I started laughing. Punched a rabid beaver to death while fishing in the Rocky Mountains. It was him or me, man. Him or me. He'll make a luxurious eye patch. <laughs> <coughs> I love it so much. I'm quite partial now that I'm actually on there looking at his tweets. It's his debate over who's going to play him in the movie. Sometimes I lie awake at night wondering which act will play me if Golden Lily becomes a movie. I'm guessing Chris Hemsworth or Brad Pitt. <laughs> well, we know Hemsworth can pull off an eye patch. Yeah. So, oh. anyway, everyone go and check out Malachi Wolf on Twitter. There's some gems. Oh, God, it got banned from Belgium. It's really great. <laughs> so anyway, New that's, class um... starting on my training center. Turn your used ninja throwing stars into jewelry to sell on Etsy. Bring your own glue guns. <laughs> <laughs> you know we would sign up to that class. I know we would. Okay, I'm going to have to stop looking at it because that's amazing. And everyone needs to make sure they go and check out the rest of his posts. There aren't it. There aren't that many more. Thirty-seven than tweets. what we read. Thirty-seven. Yeah. <laughs> That's just genius. Yeah. Oh, I wonder where Malachi Wolf is now. Then I don't know. Probably lost. He's in probably the gone off the grid. Yeah. Um, There's no telling. Let's be honest. Do we really need initial thoughts? I think we've no. uh, we've sung enough. Right, it's either going to be just nonsensical screaming, or singing Adrian, or a combination of the two. True, true. It's really, it's really all there is to it. So, let's let's go ahead and get started. Oh, and hey, guess what? Guess how? Guess how the summary starts. <sighs> Adrian. <laughs> Adrian. Starts out fiery heart because now we get dual points of view and everyone should be super excited about it. (laughs) Adrian and Sydney are spending a tiny bit of time together enjoying their secret relationship before Sydney goes to join Ms. Tewilliger's coven, the Stell. When she leaves, taking Hopper the dragon with her, Adrian privately struggles with the negative and depressing effects of spirit magic. He and Sydney made promises to each other that they would work to give up the vices in their lives. Adrian, cigarettes and alcohol, and Sydney, coffee and extreme calorie counting. After being unable to muster any energy to work on his self-portrait art assignment, Adrian goes to pick everyone up for dinner. Jill Eddie, Angeline, new British Dompier, Neil, and Zoe. And it's awful because Zoe is there and she is just like Sydney was a few months ago, you know, back when she was a stick in the mud and not a vampire kissing witch. <laughs> Zoe gets a call from her dad, 
while they're at Clarence's and Adrian immediately worries about Sydney. But Jared Sage tells Zoe that he and their mother are getting a divorce. Womp womp. Womp womp. <laughs> Sydney's initiation goes well, except she accidentally leaves Hopper behind, but Adrian will pick him up later. She chooses the name Iolanthe because it's a purple flower and it reminds her of the purple Adrian mentions she has in her aura. She's finally decided that her being a witch is a good thing because she will always use her powers for good instead of evil and for non-violence unless someone she loves is in danger. She learns of another powerful witch, Inez, who has fought Strigoi and was bitten just like Sydney and just like Sydney, the Strigoi couldn't stand her blood. She needs to find out more. At the end of the ceremony, Sydney gets the same phone call Zoe got, but from their mom instead. She tells Sydney that she wants to take Zoe away from the alchemists and let her live a normal life, but she knows their father will fight her and he might win in court. She asks for Sydney's help. The next day, Adrian meets up with a friend, Rowena, from art class to work on a project involving heavy cement blocks. Rowena's hand slips and is crushed under a block. Without thinking, Adrian heals her and then compels her because it's not like he can just let his friend suffer with a smashed hand. He goes home, completely forgetting about picking up Hopper, and makes a ton of self-portraits, feeling awesome from the high of spirit. But then he crashes. His artwork is terrible. He's forgotten about buying Sydney a birthday present, and he's running low on allowance. Everything he does is terrible, and he's awful. Then he starts drinking. And then Sydney arrives, which makes him feel 1,000 times worse. She's upset with him, but she understands why he's spiraling. She wishes he would understand that he's great and powerful enough to fight off spirit. Sydney's upset when she gets back to her dorm, and Zoe thinks she's crying about their parents' divorce. But don't worry, she'll never let anyone take her away from their father. I think I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. I think I pulled a muscle in my eyes as they rolled. That hurt. Zoe complains about being near vampires and feeding vampires because it's not their job, and Sydney just nods along. Sydney has plans the next day to go with Mr. Williger to meet Inez, so she offers her brand new giant SUV Quicksilver, RIP latte, to Zoe and the group when they go to Clarence's. Zoe talks wistfully about cars, reminding Sydney that Zoe is her little sister and that maybe there's still enough of their mechanic mom in her to keep her from being completely brainwashed by their father and the alchemists. Yeah. That's wishful thinking. (laughs) The meeting with Inez goes decently well after some bribery with roses and tire changes. (laughs) Despite the fact that she compares Adrian to a hot pool boy, which isn't necessarily wrong. It's not wrong at all. Not wrong. He needs some speedos. He really does. Adrian in a speedo. Okay, we've lost Amanda. <laughs> Sorry, I'm back. Okay, so um, where were we? Oh yeah, Adrian's Speedles. a hot pool boy. Nope, nope, oh, she's gone again. I need to stop oh, saying this. <laughs> Inez tells Sydney that Strigoi can't drink their blood because it's imbued with life magic. 
Since witches pull their magic from outside forces, instead of it coming from within, like with the Maroi, it coats their blood, making it incompatible as Strigoi sustenance. Sydney asks her about her alchemist tattoo and kind of explains how she recently broke the compulsion it holds over her, but oh no. Inez says the moment Sydney started working with magic, the tattoo would have lost its power. Sydney and Mr. Williger talk about spells that could potentially keep the tattoo broken without having to get the indigo seal. They think they'll be able to do it, and Inez might have some books that can help. Books! Adrian takes Jill out to dinner and Neil comes along. Jill and Angeline have fake crushes on Neil because they can't like who they actually like, Eddie and Trey. Adrian strategically puts Neil down while lifting Eddie up, but not in a bad way. While Mm -hmm. Neil is away ordering cake, Jill tells Adrian to make dinner for Sydney instead of buying something expensive because it'll mean more and she'll appreciate it. In a dream, Adrian and Sydney meet up with Marcus and tell him about Sydney's ability to make her own version of the indigo ink. They plan to meet again later to see how it's going. The next day, Sydney works with Mr. Williger, planning out what elements or stones she can charm to make the ink. They go get coffee, of course, and Wolf is there. Wolf is there! <laughs> and, and he asks Mr. Williger on a date. <laughs> and, and she says yes! <laughs> This is the best thing ever. It is so great. Hmm. Sydney practices charming things in Mr. Williger's classroom later, trying to put and keep magic inside different minerals when Zoe comes in. Zoe is very judgmental of how much time Sydney spends with Mr. Wilger, saying that Sydney is not at Amberwood for school because their dad taught them everything they need to know, and she's not there for friends. She's there to be an alchemist. Nothing more. I hate her. I hate her guts out. Oh my god, shut up, Zoe. Oh my god, she's the worst. Sydney explains that they have to keep up appearances, and Zoe reluctantly agrees. It sometimes seems like Zoe isn't so terrible and that she just wants to spend time with her sister. So they go shopping. Mm. She is terrible. She's still terrible. Don't worry. Mm. She's the worst. God damn it, Eva. Do you know who's not the worst? Adrian! Adrian! He is distraught about basically everything because he's in a dark mood and he gets a call from Nyssa. Another Strigoi, Olive, has been restored by her sister, Nina. He goes to Dallas along with Rose and Dimitri to investigate. He uses a lot of spirit looking into Olive's blood to see what makes it different now as she's been restored. So much more that he's used to. But he sees the spirit magic is lingering there. He charms some silver rings and gets a vial of her blood, using the rings to keep the spirit and the blood from escaping. It's an amazing feat, it really is, and something that no other spirit user could do. Meanwhile, Angeline destroys human body models, (laughs) trying to break into a classroom to retrieve her homework. God damn. Angeline, man. Angeline. Can really, you can really rely on Angeline to just cut the tension, can't you? <laughs> you can. 
Well, as she's doing this, Trey comes by. They have broken mm. up since Trey still has his warrior of light beliefs. But, whew, that sexual <laughs> tension is high. I know, and, and they're putting... It. They're putting body parts back in, and it's just yeah. Let's so... face it, this scene is ridiculous. It's amazing. <laughs> I, just, I just can't describe it really. No. They go to Clarence's that night, and Zoe talks about needing a Shakespeare book for class. So Clarence offers to lend her one. She and Sydney look through his books in his garage, and while Zoe is distracted, Sydney discovers she can charge rock salt with magic, and does so perfectly. Yes. Ooh, yes. Adrian is in the throes of spirit, up and down, up and down. He paints and hates his work and decides to cook for Sydney, but can't afford the extravagant ingredients he wants to use. So he pawns a ruby from his Aunt Tatiana's cufflinks. But then she appears to him as a ghost and tells him he's fine. But clearly nothing is fine if he's seeing the ghost of his dead aunt. Yeah. When Sydney calls him on their secret love phones... <clears throat> to tell him she can't come over because Zoe overheard Mr. Williger talking about her date with Wolf, which means she can't use her as an excuse. Adrian bottoms out again and goes out drinking with Rowena and her girlfriend. Oh, Adrian. <laughs> Adrian, bless you. Jill comes to Sydney in Zoe's room near midnight, claiming she's so hungry for blood that she might start eating her classmates and <laughs> begs Sydney to take her to Clarence's when she really wants Sydney to go and help Adrian. <laughs> He's belligerently drunk at the pawn shop, trying to get his ruby back when Sydney finds him, talks him down, buys back the ruby, and takes him home. They have a very in depth conversation, which Sydney tries to convince Adrian to take medication to balance out his rapid mood swings. He takes her advice and sees a doctor who believes him to be bipolar. When he gets home, he struggles to take his medication. What if he loses his entire personality? What if he loses everything special about himself? Finally, thinking of Sydney, who has recently started taking medication of her own, birth control, Ooh. he takes the pill. Can we just privately squee for a moment about Sydney taking birth control? Stop. <laughs> You don't need birth control for the <laughs> No, but this is the Bloodline series and we are talking about Sydney and Adrian and that's it simple now. <sighs> okay. Sydney's dad comes to visit and he's literally oh, the worst. God, he's an asshole. It's <laughs> the worst. You just skip over these chapters because they're the worst. Oh, I hate them so much. Oh. And you know what makes it even worse is that Zoe is worse than oh, usual too, God, trying to get attention from their dad, which means telling him every non-alchemist terrible thing Sydney has done, including, but not limited to, spending time with the teacher. <gasps> Feeding the Dompiers. Oh my gosh. And being friendly. <gasps> my pals, my pals. <laughs> oh, indeed. Oh, how could you? How could you say uh, being friendly? It's 
just how dare much. you? How dare you? It's too much. <laughs> okay, so their dad wants them to testify against their mother in the divorce. Unlike their older sister, Carly, who was on their mom's side. Way to go, Carly. As they're leaving dinner, which... <laughs> uh, it's like, it, it's the worst... It's the worst dinner ever described in a book ever. And you don't even want to hear about it because it was so awful. But it's just rage and It flames. wasn't dinner. It was a snack. It, uh, At 3.30 uh, in the afternoon. It's terrible. Anyway. After that, Jared video calls Keith. And he's basically a dead-eyed robot after alchemist re-education and re-inking. Sydney decides that even though she hates Keith's guts out, like, nobody deserves that kind of treatment. So she's got to act now with her magical tattoo plan. Sydney is a bigger person than me. Uh, yeah. She runs into Trey and asks him to be a tattoo guinea pig in exchange for her keeping Angeline from dating anyone else while he struggles with really wanting to date her but also really wanting to get back into the good graces of the Warriors of Light. Sydney, Trey, Adrian and Wolf meet at Mr. Willage's where Wolf uses his tattoo equipment that he, unsurprisingly to everyone, has. He traces over Trey's Warrior of Light tattoo. Later, Sydney will have to find alchemist tattoo materials and tattoo him to see if the compulsion in the tattoo will stay broken. But this is a start. If she can tattoo Trey with alchemist stuff later and nothing happens, she'll know she was a success. Adrian, Sydney and Marcus meet in Spirit Dream that night, which takes a while and doesn't work very well on account of Adrian's new medication that he hasn't told anyone about. But they tell Marcus what they're doing with the tattoos. He plans to meet up with them in a week or two. Adrian is woken from the crumbling spirit dream by a phone call from Queen Vasilisa Dragomir, who has summoned him to court to assist Sonia with the Strigoi vaccine plans. But luckily... She needs Sydney there, too. They think a tattoo with unstragoid spirit-infused blood might make turning stragoy impossible. (gasps) This is very similar to the alchemist tattoos and the magic tattoos Sydney is currently working on, so the ideas are sound. could actually work. So, Sydney, Adrian, and Neil take off almost immediately for court. After meeting with everyone, Lissa, Rose, Dimitri, Olive, Nina, Sonia, Abe, I think Christian is there, yeah. and some other guardians, Sydney tells them she needs alchemist tattooing supplies, but a double set just in case. Yeah, <laughs> just in case you need to take all this stuff back home with you to create non-indigo alchemist charm-breaking tattoos later. Good plan, Sydney. She's so smart. I love that Rose was like, since when do you ever make mistakes? Why do you need two sets of this stuff? And she's like, well, you never know. (laughs) Yeah. If Mm -hmm. you don't have a plan B, your plan A will Mm. never work. 
So Abe goes off to get supplies, and Sydney declares she needs to go to sleep. Adrian, of course, does too, since he's also on the Palm Springs human schedule. Rose escorts Sydney to her room, thinking that she's the only person there that Sydney is really comfortable with. <laughs> oh, if she only knew. <laughs> oh, Rose, my sweet summer Ooh. child. <laughs> Adrian comes by a little later after Rose leaves, and the two are finally alone. Like, properly alone. Oh my oh, no, gosh. It's amazing. So heavy making out is done. <laughs> course you would. For some reason though, Sydney is still hesitant to have sex with Adrian, even though she definitely, she definitely wants to. She definitely she wants really to. She really does. She really, really does. They end up just sleeping together instead, which is also nice. It is. The it's next sweet. day, they go for breakfast and run into some of Adrian's old party buddies who want to drink from Sydney and talk to Adrian about when they used to dabble. <laughs> which Adrian explains to Sydney is finding humans to drink from. That's not what it is, though. It's Mm -mm. drinking humans and drinking from them, which is essentially blood rape. Mm. Sydney is appalled when she finds out and condemns Adrian, even though he only drunkenly drank from a drunk girl once a long time ago and never, ever drugged anyone. She thinks that she can never trust him again. (sighs) Yeah. When Abe arrives with the supplies, Sydney makes the tattoo ink and then they try it out on Neil. Can't really tell if it will work though because he has to be bitten by Strigoi to test it. And nobody wants to do that. <laughs> no. Kind of makes you think what's the point in doing it in the first place if you're not going to test it out. Oh. Oh. Hmm. While the tattooist was tattooing, the spirit began to leak out of the blood ink, and Sonia realized that Adrian didn't help to keep it in like she, Lissa, and Nina did. He confesses to everyone that he can't use spirit anymore because he's taking mood stabilizers, because he has more important things in his life now instead of spirit, and it's awful for them to think any less of him. Sydney is astonished, but why didn't he tell her? Because he didn't want to fail. And it's so sweet. She leaves the gathering to go back to her room to sleep, but is met by Adrian's ex-bros who attack her. She uses Wolf's teachings to try to get away, but that's really more for human attackers, not for vampires. Then she summons magic and causes a tree branch to collapse on one of the bros. She screams for help, and then Adrian arrives, brandishing his own branch. The bros don't back down until Adrian hits one in the face with his tree limb. Get in there. Mikhail and some other guardians arrive shortly thereafter and take everyone in for questioning, soon realizing that the drunken bros are to blame and giving them a night in jail and a fine. And that's all. (sighs) Yeah. 
Well, after this fight, Sydney realises that Adrian is everything she ever wanted. He's not a drunken bore anymore and he's learned from his past. He's a great person and she loves him more than anything. She invites him to her room that night, but then he's summoned by the Queen. God damn it, Lissa! Damn it, Lissa, come on! <sighs> cock blocked. She's a total cock blocker. She is. <sighs> well. <laughs> she makes them leave court immediately because if Sydney tells the alchemists what happened to her things are gonna get ugly they really do not know Sydney they, they do not know Sydney they don't they don't know Sydney at all that you know she's trying to take the alchemists down <laughs> yeah Christian mm. promises to make the bros pay Christian's good from his word I love Christian I, I believe him and we can all hope I sets them on fire even if it's just a little bit <laughs> just set him on fire just, just a, a little, little bit, bit Christian of the really flammable soft parts <laughs> you know they're drunk all the time so they might just <laughs> they're not made of water they're made of alcohol they've been pickled Sydney, Adrian, and Neil have to drive to Philadelphia to catch their flight, but they get hit by a blizzard and slide off the road and into a tree. After nearly freezing in the car while they wait for a tow truck, Sydney gets fed up, gets out of the car, and sets a magical fire to keep them warm. This is a big deal, TM. Adrian threatens Neil that if he ever tells anyone what he just witnessed, he'll be sorry. The tow truck arrives and takes them to a bed and breakfast. Luckily, not full of weird bunnies. And they each get rooms. But Adrian and Sydney spend the night together and have sex for the first time. And second. And probably third. And maybe fourth. Yeah. That's a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Worth it, though. Completely. When they finally get to go back to Palm Springs, Neil tells Sydney that he wants to go after a Strigoi to test his tattoo, so they, along with Eddie, track one and plan to go after it. Sydney hates this idea, but is also curious about the tattoo. They also decide to test the salt ink tattoo by using Sydney's supplies she got from Abe. They call up guinea pig Trey and tattoo him with the alchemist ink and compel him to not talk about his feelings for Angeline. And his eyes glaze over. But then he snaps out of it and he's like, why I want to talk about Angeline? Success! Success! Yes! The salt ink tattoo works! Now to test Neil's. Oh, no. It's not going to be as easy as a little conversation. No, 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 no. Zoe is pissed. We don't care, Zoe. Go away. We don't. We don't care, Zoe. Shut up. She's pissed about Sydney constantly ditching her and blowing off plans to celebrate Sydney's birthday. She spends it with Adrian instead, of course. And his friends help him cook dinner and make cupcakes, and it's really, really sweet. 
Angeline stops by, thinking that Sydney, Eddie, and Neil are up to something. And they are. Wow. And she tells Adrian about it. He also hears from Marcus, who is about two weeks out from being ready to meet for the new tattoo ingredients. Sydney arrives later and enjoys gumbo and cupcakes and car sex and brings leftover <laughs> cupcakes back for Zoe. Even if she can't spend time with Zoe, at least she can enjoy a birthday dessert. Except she doesn't on account of the alchemist brainwashing slash terrible judgy father thing. Ugh. 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 Bloody hell, man. Adrian talks to Lissa, who reveals that she's proud of Adrian for using mood stabilizers. They also talk about how she is close to having laws passed in court that will allow Jill to come out of hiding. Everything is almost over. <sighs> maybe, maybe Adrian and Sydney will be able to run away together and live happily ever after. But for now, it's time to go Strigoi hunting. They're still tracking just the one Strigoi. No one new has joined up with him, so it should be a simple kill. Eddie doesn't want Sydney to go, though, so she reveals her magic to him and he abruptly changes his tune. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, another big deal, TM. <laughs> they thought the Strigoi was a young vampire. They were wrong. Mm -hmm. This Strigoi is old and the fight is terrible. But then Angeline, Trey and Jill show up, which is bad, but also good at the same time. Trey and Angeline join in the fight and Jill makes it foggy using her water magic. The Strigoi bites Neil according to plan, but it tastes too disgusting to finish the job. So, then they team up and take him out. The <gasps> mission is a success. Yes! And Jill kisses Eddie. Yes! yes. <laughs> and Angeline and Trey are together. Yes! yes! Everything is great, despite the fact that Jill was brought to such a dangerous encounter. And Sydney is so excited that her tattoo on Neil worked against Trigoi that she asks Eddie to drop her off at Adrian's. She could have died. And there are more important things to her that she's really feeling at the moment. So she crawls into his bed. And we all know what happens next. <laughs> Sydney goes back to her dorm the next morning, and Zoe is as unpleasant as always. But soon, it's time to meet up with Marcus. Adrian contacts Sydney to let her know the plan, but not on their secret love phones that they normally use for their clandestine meetings and sexy texts. Because, uh-oh, he lost it. Oh, Adrian. It's terrible. They're supposed to meet at Ms. Twilliger's and everyone is there, except for Sydney. At the last minute, Sydney gets a new address for the meetup in a text message, which is normal for meetings with Marcus and totally not a surprise at all. But the text comes on the love phone, which she doesn't realize. And then she gets caught in an ambush. Good thing she took Addie along. <laughs> Yay! They run from the alchemists, who are shooting at them, or at Eddie, because he's one of them. They get pretty far away and hide, but there are alchemists 
everywhere, and Sydney knows there's no way they can escape. She gives Eddie Hopper in his stone form and tells him to chant a special incantation that will activate a spell as a distraction, and they'll both be able to get away. This, of course, is not true. Eddie runs off to activate the spell, and Sydney turns herself in to her father and sister. Eddie escapes and finds Adrian at Ms. Twillage's. He runs in saying that he should never have left her. That's all his fault Sydney was taken. But Adrian knows she tricked him into leaving and turned herself in so he wouldn't get in trouble. Adrian is furious. And himself for taking the mood stabilisers because he knew something like this would happen. Something terrible would occur and he'd be unable to wield a spirit. He tries and tries to find Sydney in dreams, but just can't, so he stops taking the pills. He asks Sonia and Lissa and Mr. Williger to help, but no one knows where she is. Mr. Williger got close to reaching her, but only found a dark wall. She's alive. She can tell that much, but she's not doing well. No. No. She is not doing well at all, as a matter of fact. She was drugged the night she was taken. Zoe found Adrian's love phone in the back of the car from the night that they had sex there and told their father everything. Now, Sydney's in a cell in an alchemist re-education facility. She's naked and alone in the pitch black darkness. When she wakes up, she's greeted by a voice from a speaker in a wall telling her to confess her sins, then shining blindingly bright lights in her cell. Sydney remains resolute and refuses to relent. She's drugged again, and before passing out, she hears the voice say that they will have to resort to unpleasant measures to purge the darkness from her soul. Sydney's last words before she passes out are... Let's see what you've got. God, she's a badass. Damn, Sydney! Damn, I love Sydney. Oh my gosh! I've got goosebumps. You can't see because this is an audio podcast, but I've got literal goosebumps at the ending. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. It's a shame that Sydney didn't tattoo herself. We need to talk about this. We do, but we need to take a break for a second. These days, more authors are including mental health content in their books. But do you ever wonder how accurate some of this stuff is? Or do you ever read something where you know the author just gets it? I'm Elise. And I'm Priscilla. And we are Novel Feelings, a podcast where we discuss mental health issues in fiction novels. We are psychologists and book lovers, and we have a lot of opinions. So look for Novel Feelings wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your show. I don't know where to start. I don't know. I know exactly where to start. Go. Adrian is no longer... Terribly British. Oh, thank God. <laughs> it made no <laughs> sense. I hated that. Oh, God. 
no longer terribly British now that he's got his own chapters. And his own voice actor on the audio And his own voice actor, which is what I was actually trying to look up. Alden Ford. Alden Ford joins Emily Schaefer. He's very good. And he is very good. He brought Adrian to life in such a good way. Mm -hmm. And it was... It was really interesting because, you know, the audiobook starts or the book starts out with a chapter from Adrian's point of view. And so you're so used to hearing Emily Schaefer and you're like, what? Hold on. Yes. Who is this? I what is this? I was it. It was what a is lovely happening? surprise. Yes. And now <laughs> Emily Schaefer's questionable British has been transferred <laughs> to Neil. <laughs> Oh, to be fair, though. She didn't have very many chapters where she had to talk as Neil. No, and thankfully, most of the chapters where Neil was speaking, it was done by the um, male narrator, whose name has completely slipped my mind, even though you said it two seconds ago. Already. Yes. His name Alden? is Alden Ford. Alden Ford, there we go. He actually does a very good British accent. Yes. So it's yes. acceptable. His Dimitri... Is hideous, but his British yes. for Neil was very good. And you know, it was it, nice to hear Adrian in my ear holes. It was. It was really nice to hear Adrian and to get so much from Adrian's perspective. Oh, desperately because needed it. Up until now, I mean, I've been in love with Adrian since the very beginning, but up until now, we haven't seen what any of this story is like from his point of view. And yeah, we know that he suffers from spirit magic and it's and it's really terrible, but now we see it. Mm. We see what he's going through and it is rough. It really is. It's it's not a way of life to have to deal with that. No, no, it's not. He's not just he's not depressed. No, I'm not saying just, but he's not it's he's a, not depressed. It's one of the he, factors. It is, but he's actually suffering from bipolar disorder yeah which is terrible it's yeah it's not uh it's not easy it's not easy at all um for anybody who has it and anybody who lives with or um helps somebody with it it's it's a horrible horrible disease um i needed adrian's voice from the start and now that i have it I'm upset that I haven't had it since book one. Yeah. I can understand from book one being more heavily Sydney dominated um, because we needed her to break the alchemist mentality mm-hmm. and I needed it from her point of view. But I wish Adrian's voice would come in a bit sooner because it's made him a much more sympathetic character, um, given him yeah. a lot more dimension. Um, it's helped the storyline a whole hell of a lot. It's 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 made it really excellent. I've really I've really yeah. enjoyed this one from having his point of view. But it's key. It is key in this one because at the end, Sydney is kidnapped and put into re-education. Yeah. So if we didn't have this split now, I feel like it would have been really jarring in the next one. Yes, agreed. One hundred percent agreed. It would have been too much. Like, yeah. Whiplash, jarring. Yeah. So it was a good, it was ugh, such a good book. It was such a good surprise. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I genuinely, and I know people don't believe me, but I genuinely do not read the summaries. I don't look into anything. I go to my Audible, I pick the next one, click buy and done. I have the next one bought and ready, lined up, ready to go at night if I wanted to. Because <clears throat> I have to live in ignorance. And it, I, I, it was such a magnificent surprise. I didn't see that there was two narrators attached to it. I don't yeah. look. I don't look up far enough into it. It's, You know when you, your favourite author has a book come out, you don't even know the title, you just pre-order it. Yeah, you just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's exactly it. I'm loving this series. I'm absolutely adoring, adoring every month having that naivety for the next one and being able to talk fresh about it that I just mm-hmm. click and go and it's great and I love it it's so yeah. fun yeah I had honestly forgotten I knew that it happened but I forgot that it happened in this one mm-hmm. because I mean I haven't read these since they came out well exactly so as it was a reread that's a wonderful surprise for you as well and yeah. it helps keep the series fresh yeah it's also really good because I didn't listen to them the first time. I just read them. Uh-huh. And now, hearing Alden Ford, <laughs> say his name a few more times, Alden Ford, hearing Alden Ford as Adrian was really, it was, it was a fantastic surprise. It might, that might be my surprise. Mm. Mm. There was a few, I think that, to be fair, I think there was a few bits and pieces that were quite... Not blow me out for what a surprise, but certainly, hmm, yeah. surprise. We'll get to that, yeah. though. Let's not too, jump ahead we too will. much. We will. Right. So, other than other than having Adrian's point of view, Yay. anything else that like really stood out to you in this one? Oh, I've got a list. <laughs> Ms. Twilliger and Wolf make me so happy. <laughs> I know I love them. <laughs> so good i'm just i love that <laughs> you felt so like i mean miss twilliger is essentially you know she's t- she's she's taken sydney under our wing she's mm-hmm. a mentor a role model a teacher but she's also part of our found family as well and she's like a mom figure and it's like my mom's figure is flirting with the, with my PE teacher or something because you know, this is awkward and I don't like it and I love the fact she shoots an Adrian a text saying what happens and then makes the pause doesn't tell her everything and then he's like she said yes and it's like oh! it's just such a gossipy little moment I treasured every second of it it was so mm. sweet like delightful sweet yeah I just, I, I love that bit. Yeah. And <laughs> Sydney, the little horn dog, which I appreciate, a girl who understands her own sexual desires, and I ain't kink shaming, but that girl mm. has a thing for cars. And she does. When Adrian's like, oh, part of your birthday present is we're going to have sex in the back of the car, she's like, oh. Really? Oh, <laughs> gets all very hot and bothered for three full days. Yeah, and then and then she's like, "But why did you tell me? Why did you ruin the surprise?" And he's like, "Um, excuse me. Now you have to think about it for three days." <laughs> I just that was there was so was. many of those little happy moments of like the 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 Miss Twilliger and Wolf section that was just 
not necessarily driving the plot too much. I mean, obviously, the phone coming out of his pocket in the back of the car from had sex is pretty pivotal, but it's the more, yeah. it's the interactions, the way they've done. It's just so personable. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I ain't king shaming Sydney at all. You go for it, love. No. If you've got room in that back yeah. seat, that back seat, and you're not getting the gear shift in anywhere it shouldn't be going, you go for it. But I'm going to say one thing, and this this must make Constance, super fan Constance, really upset and mad. But cupcakes gave everything away. Baked cupcakes goods were the downfall. Were the downfall. Oh. Oh, yep. Oh, so bad. If 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 Sydney hadn't brought her birthday cupcakes back to the dorm, Zoe would never have figured out a thing. No, Pe- not until she found the phones in the back seat. Mm, yeah, but did they ever That's use also the pretty names? Bad. I don't think so. Mm. It might have taken but, a little uh, bit longer if she'd just had the phone. Yeah. Is this before phones were locked? I've always locked my phone. Might be. I had a brick Nokia. And I locked like when I was 18 and still locked it with a passcode. Yeah. Amateur, Adrian. Amateur phone ownership. Yeah. But I like... So the cupcakes, the cupcakes were the giveaway, but I like that Angeline was kind of involved because she went over there to talk to Adrian about what was going on, mm-hmm. and then they were talking about icing the cupcakes, and she's like, no, let's just ice the cupcakes now, and I want to take one back, and I want to eat a cupcake, and he's like, no, you can't, and Rowena and her girlfriend were like, no, you can't ice them until they're cool. Everything about these cupcakes is so very, just so important. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, you had cupcakes at Adrian's. And now you got cupcakes here, Sydney. <sighs> Do you know what, though? Angeline is part of the Keepers. Their relationship is not taboo to her. It's nope. nothing to her. She And to be fair, even with Eddie and... You could have told Eddie and Angeline that something was going on between them and they would have helped them sneak about. Yeah, they really would have. Something that I liked in this one with Angeline is that like, she's finally got some freaking credit in this one because she knew they were planning something. Mm-hmm. She knew that they were going to go after Strigoi and she was smart enough to get Trey... And take Jill, because she was in charge of Jill while they were all gone, to bring them all and follow. And, I mean, if she hadn't done that, they might not have survived. No. No. It, it's nice that, at last, Angeline isn't just the comic relief. I mean, but there was the she's still moments. the comic relief. <laughs> was so great. <laughs> but she's given some credit. She's given some... A Jew. She's given... She's showing off her skills. Yeah. Yeah, she really is. She she really is talented. Bless her little bumpkin heart. She is really great. <laughs> oh, but that scene where she's. <laughs> oh, I love 
I love when she sneaks into the classroom and the bodies are like all over the place and she's like, uh, it's real hard to put body parts back inside someone. <laughs> and, and Sydney's like, please tell me you didn't eviscerate someone. <laughs> I love how it's like, let's just jump to the fact that you may have murdered someone. Yes. <laughs> Oops. And it love just being for like a minor inconvenience as well. Like, you know, if you walk through a department store and the perfume people just start spraying stuff randomly, Angeline would take their spleen. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she would. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she would. But I really, I really enjoyed that scene where they're trying to put the body parts back in and then Trey comes along and it gets really oddly sexual because he's putting the female body together and and Sydney's putting the male body together and they're like talking about all these weird things. And Angeline is just sitting over on the table kicking her feet like, oh, you guys are putting these body parts back together for me. But then it's like really sexual between <laughs> between her and Dre. <laughs> it's so good. It's so weird. It is weird, but it's perfect. <laughs> it is. You do, do you feel, in a positive way, do you feel like you were misled with this book? There's so many happy moments. I mean, along with the, you know, uh, putting Adrian's um, mental health turmoil to one side because that's a, mm-hmm. a whole other beast. But like yeah. these mentions of you know Ms. Twilliger and Wolf and the cupcakes and those Angeline moments and how there's this injection of fun and joviality and you know them acting their age. Yeah. But yeah, the that's end really great. It's so gosh darn heavy. Yeah, it was such a good, like, happy buildup. And you think everything is finally going right. And Sydney has revealed to her friends, well, Neil. Neil, I don't know, you know, where Neil stands just yet. Neil's but an she's ally. Re- that, I've pegged him as an ally at the moment. Yeah. And she's revealed that she can wield magic to Neil and to Eddie. And they're just like, yeah, okay. And especially when she shows Eddie. Because he's like, I don't want you to come to this Strigoi fight. Like, it's not going to be good. And she's like, oh, yeah, and makes a fireball. And he's like, okay, shit, never mind. Come on. <laughs> I was wrong. Come Are on. you driving? <laughs> yeah. You're actually going to be quite helpful because... If anything goes wrong, you can just set them on fire and we'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then everything is hit with a sledgehammer at the end. Yeah. My goodness. Before we get to the end scene, which is probably going to be in and of itself an entire conversation, I hate Zoe. I hate their father. I hate them both. I want them to go. I hate them. Hate them. Hate them. Yeah. They're terrible. That entire dinner slash lunch scene where you it just you can see how terrible their dad is like he's being shitty to the waiter who brings them dinner menus at 3 30 and he's like well it's not dinner time and the guy's like well it's not lunch time either he's like well bring us the lunch menus and then when they're leaving and like the dad says something about them having dinner together and sydney on the inside is like don't you mean lunch but i don't want to say that That'll be bad. But that whole scene was just terrible. That guy is a shitbag. He is. And the way he... he, he it, it, you, This is the scene where you realise where Sydney developed her body issues. 
because yeah, of the pointed it's all comments from him. and the overt comments. No subtlety about calorie intake, which obviously Zoe wanting to suck up to her dad takes on board and then some. And then from that point on, she's constantly talking about calories. So you can understand yeah. where Sydney's come from. However, I know this was saying Sydney, or at least equating Sydney being like, well, Zoe being the Sydney from a few months ago. But mm-hmm. even in the original Vampire Academy series, Sydney was never that bad. I mean, she no. was wary and concerned about Rose. And to be fair, you know, it's Rose. That's a given. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that, yeah. that self preservation. But she still got the job done. She did what she needs to do. She made sure she got from A to B and all of the bits in between that needed doing. And part mm-hmm. of this job in Palm Springs is to make sure people get fed, is make sure that people go forget from A to B, that everything runs smoothly. And Zoe doesn't get that. And no. what's annoying me as well about Zoe being there is that it's preventing Sydney from even carrying out her regular alchemist duties, regardless of being a witch, regardless of her relationship with the Moroi vampire. Zoe is preventing an alchemist from doing their job. Mm-hmm. She's demanding Zoe act like as her sister, but then running to the alchemists and saying that Sydney is not acting like an alchemist. Pick something, Zoe. Pick a lane, stay in it, but you know what? Shut the fuck up and go away. I hate her. And I know the problem is she's completely brainwashed and their father is an abusive asshole. Yep. I'm so glad that they're getting a divorce. God, I mean, yes. you know, we haven't we haven't seen really much of the family dynamic. No. Because we've been in Palm Springs, we've been away. Like we saw their mother at the very beginning yeah. when the alchemists come to take Sydney to Palm Springs and you know, she's there and she's very caring for her daughters and you learn that she's a mechanic and that she's awesome and that she's not an alchemist. Mm-hmm. And that's really all you get. That's it. Yeah. That's all there is. And so that we know that that's why Sydney likes cars so much, mm-hmm. which Adrian now very much appreciates. <laughs> but you don't see you don't see any of that. And now we've got all this from the father, which we knew he was an asshole the whole time. But now, like they're getting a divorce, and you know, you think, what? Why do we care about their parents getting a divorce? What does this have to do with the storyline? Yeah. Yeah. What's it going to do? Are we going to see more later? It's got How to. It has to inform the storyline. It has to. My, my, I mean, I really... I don't even know her mom's name. But I really want Sydney's mom to come and just kick his ass. Yeah. I really, she, he, like, pulls out a giant monkey wrench yes. from her toolbox. Yes, please. Yeah. And yeah. just clonks them over the head. Tire iron. Just, that's what she gets. She gets a tire she iron. She can have whatever the hell she wants, but I want that head caved in. I just, yeah, something. He needs to go. He She needs to re-educate him. Yeah. I wonder what would happen if somehow, some way, some shape or form, they injected Jared Sage with all of these magical tattoo compulsion breaking things. I wonder what would happen to him. 
Jenga's brain would just melt out of his ears <laughs> or he'd kill himself because he realizes how terrible he is. Like, now, he goes to re-education himself and just sits in a dark room naked. Ew. He doesn't get re-educated. He just goes and sits in the room yeah. in the dark by himself because he's so full of shame. No, I mean, there's part of us that's thinking you're hinting what's going to happen, but there's another part of us that thinks, oh, that's a genuine question. Um... <laughs> I can't help but think, it's, if you think about the way, taking it as pure supposition, Sydney's thoughts about magic. She's realised that magic is only evil if the user is evil. Mm-hmm. Alchemists are only evil if the alchemist is evil. Yeah. So the dad's an asshole before he got inked. He's an asshole all the way through. And to yeah. be fair, that's probably a paternal thing. It's probably been passed down through his family. That is taught behaviour. This is how his father was probably to him. And, you know, he... I I can't remember if it was definitely said, but he... I get the impression there's a certain amount of shame that all he has his daughters. He would prefer boys, which is oh, a yeah. there was a whole mentality. Lot with, there was a whole lot with Keith in the first one where he's like... Sydney mentions, oh, you you know, he definitely wishes that Keith was his son. Yeah. So there's a lot of resentment because he's got girls. There's nothing wrong with having girls because girls are awesome. Yeah. Um, there's nothing we can't do. As So shut up, your misogynistic, asshat, racist mouth. Whore, yeah. Face whore. So I'd, I'd kind of answering your question i think if he did get sydney's tattoo ink to negate the compulsion of his golden lily i think he's still gonna be an asshole and i think he's still gonna be an extremist and i think he's still gonna be a misogynist and i think he's still gonna be a racist yeah that is in him that is nothing brought on by the tattoo i also wonder how much he's had his redone we don't know if he's... Maybe he needed. doesn't need it at all. Mm. Don't you just wish that Sydney would set him on fire? God, yes. She just... When the ends in the end scene, and it's described as this metal room, and she's butt naked as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dang it, could have not been something she would have burned down. But no, this is just a chamber. This is just a... An oven she's been put in if she starts trying to do anything. Um, Now, the question I'm wondering is, she hasn't been tattooed by her uh, salt ink creation that she's done. Mm -hmm. But Inez said to her that what broke the alchemist compulsion, what broke the golden lily, was her using magic that first time. Yeah. And then the more she's used it, the more it's broken it. So even if she was re-inked, she's got high levels of magic coursing through her body. Will it take? Will it not take? Will We're just going to have to read. Well, we will. Will it take? Will it not take? But she'll pretend that it's taken in order to, to get out. I mean, what? There's only two books left. I know. My and the goodness. last one's not very long. The last one is 
quite a bit shorter than all the rest of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, Can I say how much I hated Rose in this? Why'd you hate Rose? What did Rose do? She was was horrible. She was was trying to take... She was horrible to Adrian. She was horrible to Adrian. Honestly, there is absolutely no call for her to be the bitch that she was. No, not at all. She was friendly to Sydney. That's fine. Yeah, you know, she, she did try she, to take good care of Sydney, which exactly. is good. And she thinks she's Sydney's only friend, essentially. Yeah. It's like yeah. she's been hanging in Palm Springs for a few months, love. I think she's probably developed some quite sort of if friendship or if understanding. I mean, she's banging him, so come on. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Rose doesn't know that. But the way Rose was treating Adrian like shit. And I was like, I'm sorry, who did this cheating in your relationship? Who was yeah. the liar in the relationship? Who used who in the relationship? Uh, no, no, no. I really yeah. thought Rose was horrible and a bitch and I didn't like her and I've lost respect. I, I lost respect for, with Rose at, toward the ends of the Vampire Academy series and I've lost a bit more from this as well. Yeah. She, she disappointed me. Yeah, she was she was so shitty to Adrian, and he's like, "Well, actually, I'm I'm going to college, I'm taking classes, like I'm learning how to do all these things. I live on my own. I'm taking I medication. Smoking. I've quit smoking. I've quit drinking. Like, you know, I've grown up, and it doesn't really seem like Rose has very much." If anything, she's regressed. Yeah. I did enjoy those scenes back at court, though. Yes. Because, you know, as shitty as Rose was, I do miss all of those, all of the people, you know, from Vampire Academy, especially Christian. And I really, really liked that Adrian asks for Christian's meatloaf recipe, which is a callback to that cooking class that that Rose had to take with Christian when she was guarding him <laughs> he's like hey so I hear you got a really good meatloaf recipe and he's like what you're cooking like yeah I'm doing a lot of stuff now but I really like that and I just I liked that you know there's a lot of beef really between Adrian and Christian not necessarily between the two of them but Adrian really, really respected and cared for his Aunt Tatiana, the yeah. queen, who Christian's aunt Tasha killed. Yeah. So there's a lot of animosity between them, but also not at the same time. They're like, mm. Adrian knows that Christian doesn't have anything to do with it, and he knows that he can, that, that Christian is a good guy, and you know, he doesn't have anything he to do with what his aunt all did. He does. He really, really does. And then and then when the bros are there, Christian's oh. like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna set him on fire. <laughs> you don't have to worry about those bros. Like But I do like that he was like, Lissa, you know what they did is wrong and that they deserve more punishment than what they've been given. And she's like, Oh yeah, well we have laws, but dude, you're the queen. You need to start changing these things. I know that you're still, you know, you haven't been queen for very long and you're working on getting the 
that age law thing taken care of and you're working on getting Jill to be able to come out of hiding so you can be queen without worrying about someone murdering her. But still. Yeah. Those guys. There's a wider picture that as the queen she should be. You need a multitask. You need a heavy multitask. She does. She needs more people to help her. Not just her. Yeah. And to yikes. be fair, there probably is. We just don't know who they are or what they're about. And yeah. there's got to be a certain amount of delegation as well. Yeah. Well, she needs to do something about those laws because those guys need more punishment than a slap on the wrist. Yeah. A night in jail oh. to sleep off their their booziness. Not even going to sober them up because, like no, we said earlier. because they're made of alcohol. <laughs> So, I was going to ask you who your favorite character was, but I feel like we shouldn't even ask that question anymore when we're talking about these books, because, <laughs> I mean, Adrian, always. <laughs> but I did also appreciate that Christian was back in this one, because Christian was always my favorite. Rowena and her girlfriend. For they were pretty good too. For cooking the meal for Sydney's birthday and essentially telling him how to finish things off but take all the credit. Yeah. For his mysterious great. girlfriend who they didn't actually believe he had until she was there and went, Oh, you are real. Oh, you do exist. <laughs> nice. It's like the mysterious girlfriend who lives in Canada. Yes, how oh, she actually is real. <laughs> I like that Rowena, when they went to the bar, she realized that Adrian was addicted and apologized to Sydney. Like, I'm sorry, I didn't know that he was suffering from alcohol addiction, mm-hmm. you know, because he had stopped drinking so much. But now he's, you know, binging because he's suffering. He's suffering. So. But I like that she was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. Like, I, we would not have come here. We would have done something else. I'm so, so sorry. She's like, well, it's okay. Take care of him. And she did. Yeah. And now that she knows, like, when they're making the meal and they have that bottle of wine and Adrian's like, oh, she's like, it's fine. This is for me. You're not getting any of it. Yeah. So it's kind of like... I appreciate the fact that she started that, that that they've taken those steps to be um, respectful to the to, to to his position as well. Yeah, I do like them. They're fun. They're, and I'm yeah, happy that friends. Adrian has friends. Me too. Yeah, because otherwise it's a lonely existence just going to college and then going home and then waiting for Sydney to get free of her awful sister. Oh, I know, awful. She's awful. I know Zoe has been brainwashed. I'm, I'm, this is my last thing at least this episode. I know Zoe has been brainwashed by the dad. Mm-hmm. But Carly? No. She's, I mean, there was probably a lot to do with what happened with Nick as to why she was turned off from the alchemist. But the impression I get from Sydney is that Carly was never, ever wanting to be an alchemist in the first place and just no. did not agree with the dad at all. And Sydney doesn't want to be an alchemist, but she did it to save Zoe. So why is Zoe so bad? 
It's a bit of a nature nurture debate. And why was Zoe called up to the alchemists when it's established that it's the eldest child and only the eldest child that's called into the alchemist service? I don't know. That's that is a pretty good question. Now we did remember at the end of Indigo's spell learned that Sydney told Stanton that they need more. Mm. And so, I mean, I almost would think that Stanton tells Sydney's dad, like, hey, she needs she needs someone else. And he's like, oh, well, we were supposed to send Zoe anyway, so let's just send her now. So, yeah, could be that. How, how bad would Zoe, is Zoe as an alchemist, though? If she'd gone to Palm Springs as a 14-year-old? Something 14, 15-year-old? 15, yeah. To look after the Dampier and the Marori? No. She couldn't what would have. she have even done? She can't even drive. She couldn't have done any of it. So there's no way, no way in hell... Zoe would have been able to have been assigned there as a sole alchemist. No. But also, Keith was there. That's right. So maybe Keith would have had more to do with the story if Sydney hadn't been sent there. Because Keith was the alchemist of Palm Springs. But Keith had the side hustle and wouldn't have wanted... Zoe's a grass. She's a snitch. Yeah. I don't think she would have figured out what Keith was doing with the oh. tattoos, though. I don't think she's smart enough to... I can't stand her. Mm-mm. I hate her. Yeah. She's being done very well, then, but I just rage, rage. Yep. Hate her. Hate her oh. guts out. She's terrible. I feel like rather than asking favourite character, we need to ask, who do we hate the most this week? I mean, there's a fair <laughs> few options. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's clearly Zoe and their dad. We had we hate both of them equally. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Insert gif here. Yeah, okay. Really. Okay. Calm down. Calm down. Okay. I would think of cupcakes, but they cause a lot of turmoil. They did. They really, they really ruined a lot of things in this one. Do we have any surprises that we haven't already talked about? No, I think we've talked about them. They're all there's nothing like woo surprise more huh, moments. Yeah, I was really really happy that Sydney finally revealed her powers to her friends, and they were just like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. Do you want to go and get ice yeah. cream? <laughs> yeah. Shrug. And the fact that, you know, Adrian has his own voice actor. That was probably the biggest surprise, they're getting Adrian's point of view. Yeah, that was a really, yeah. good, really good surprise. I'm not surprised, that's always a bitch. Sorry. Yeah. No, what? Stop it. Okay, um, so is it time then? It's, it's time, time for Would You Rather? It is very much time. Pew, pew, pew. So, we asked on social media, would you rather slowly lose your mind but be able to wield magic or lose your magical abilities but your sanity stays intact? On Facebook, 43% said they would wield magic and 57% they would lose magic. 
On Instagram, it was 38% wield magic and 63% lose magic. And on Twitter, 100% wield magic. On TikTok, 67% said they would wield their magic and on 33% said they would lose their magic. We have some comments. We have comments. We do, we do have comments. comments. We do, we do. Breetart on Instagram said, Would rather keep my sanity. All magic comes with a price. Isn't a principle I mess with. And the real power is being able to manipulate the person with the magic. Real Jackson Ford on Instagram says, Sanity intact, thanks. Why here, Bookshat on Instagram said, Magic is cool and all, but I'd much rather have my sanity intact. Lisa Marie on Instagram said, I'm already out of my mind. I'm just missing the magic. So I'll take that, please, and thank you. Did you guys see we're finally getting a Vampire Academy show? Yes. <laughs> yeah, we did. And we're excited about it. You should join in on our book club chats, Lisa Marie. <laughs> think you would really enjoy them. Contact us for help in getting into our book club. Oh, Crinolin Lefroy on Instagram said, keep my sanity. I can still be magical without actual magic. You are magic, Crinolin. You are. You really are. L20Cav on Instagram says, humans slowly lose their minds anyway as they get old, so at least having magic would make it more interesting. The big challenge is trying to not end up like Saruman from Lord of the Rings. But... As my default in life is to go silly, I hope if I lost my marbles, I'd be doing stuff like making it thunder every time I pooped. Just so I can say, I eat lightning and crap thunder. Hashtag Rocky quote. <laughs> I love how well 20 Kef always comes back to poop. It's, it's always poop. It's always, all always poop, poop. All the time. All poop all the time. So, I haven't shared one of these recently. Um, the quotes that we gathered, or the quotes that I gathered from sharing this Would You Rather at my library, but had some really good ones this week when mm. I shared it, so I thought I would, I would, um, read these quotes to you from the library. Yeah. Yeah. So, one of the quotes said, Lose my mind. My insanity will unfetter my magic and morals and make me unstoppable. I am in awe and terrified of this person. Yes. Yes. That was Jen. That was Jen at the library, by the way. I respect you, Jen. Jen is amazing. Someone who did not leave their name said magic trumps sanity. Okay. I got that. Brittany at the library said, keep sanity. I will diminish into the West and remain Galadriel. <sighs> Which I really enjoyed that we had two Lord of the Rings That's comments cute. this time. Like, how is that even a thing? But I love Mwah. it. Mwah. Love it. And then there was another unnamed commenter who said, What good is magic if you're insane? I would turn that around and go, What good is magic if you're sane? Yeah. So, what are you doing? You see, this one's really difficult, actually. Because knowing it's how Adrian's mental health spiralled, and it's not pretty, and it's not fun, 
and knowing people with mental health problems and it's not pretty and it's not fun um i would say lose your magic abilities but your sanity stays intact just purely based on what happened with adrian yeah and you know the backlash that can occur so it's not a fun answer sorry but reality is hard um so i'm gonna say lose magic abilities and keep the sanity I just can't imagine being in Adrian's position and not being able to find Sydney or not being able to heal his friend when she crushed her hand. I can't mm. I can't do it, so I would have to keep my magic. But I think I think that I would try to keep it reined in a little bit and only use it when it's necessary. Cuz I kind of wonder about Sonia. Yes. How does she suffer? How does she cope? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I want to know how she does cope. I mean, we know she didn't, and that's why she went Strigoi. And that's not an option anymore. Yeah, but now she's back. Potentially, having turned Strigoi now back, magically back, maybe that's helping her? Maybe. Maybe. I find it interesting that we don't see Jill spiralling like we saw Rose spiral with Lyssa. Taking in the dark. We haven't seen the effects with Jill as I would have expected to. It's with a fresh bond. Yeah, but a lot of that, I think, is because before we get to this one... Adrian was drunk almost all the time. And so we did get to see Jill being drunk and pulling that part of the the side effects in. Mm. But I mean, and now their their bond is dark because yeah. of the mood stabilizers, so he's going to need that bond cuz she's going to get kidnapped or something's going to happen to her and she's going to and he's going to have to find her. So he, yeah. he you know we know he's come off the medication at the end. Yep. But it takes so maybe a while he'll system. Yeah. But maybe he'll be able to to cope with it a little bit better. He needs something. Yeah. Oh, Adrian. Yeah. Okay. So, listeners, we have something <laughs> very special that's happening now with our would you rather's. You all know that we don't plan out our answers to our would you rather questions in advance. We both, we plan the questions together. We figure out what the questions are, but we don't even think about our responses until, until recording time. But this time, <laughs> Claire and I have secret questions for each other. <laughs> And uh, it is it is my turn. I feel like you're building secret. mine up for a fall. To be fair, I hope I'm not. I hope I'm not because I got to tell you that my would you rather question is probably one of the best questions oh, ever. Mine is not so okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know if I'm excited so or, or scared. <laughs> it's so ridiculous, but. <laughs> 
Okay. Okay, are you ready? No. (laughs) Would you rather be the dinner table on a date with Wolf and Mr. Williger or out to lunch with Sydney's dad and Zoe? Which dinner table are you? (laughs) This is the best question ever. (laughs) And the answer is easy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, come on. How awkward is a sexy dinner going to be between Mr. Wilger and Wolf? Exactly. And that's why I want to witness it. I need to see that. I don't want... What are they doing on that table? You are that table, Claire. They're doing nasty things underneath and I do not kink shame. <laughs> They're doing nasty things on top of that table too. And, and I do not weird. kink shame again. <laughs> this is one of the greatest questions I have ever been asked. <laughs> Easy. I'm the date table. I I hate Zoe and her dad. I do not want to hear them. I, do, I wouldn't be able to escape from their cheapness and their vitriol. <laughs> And there, this is not lunch. This is not. Di- it's a freaking snack. It's three thirty in the afternoon. Say what it is, <laughs> asshole. Get nachos. Have some calories, Zoe, and enjoy yourself. You're fifteen. You, you can fuck off. But Miss Twilliger <laughs> and Wolf. Oh my god, the flirtation. It's gonna be so, <laughs> so awkwardly sexy, and it's gonna be delicious. And they're going to be, like, sharing desserts or whatever. And there's going to be stuff going on over the top and stuff going on underneath. And I'm there for it. This is amazing. There for it. (sighs) One of them's going to drop a fork. There's going to be breadsticks involved. This is amazing. I don't... I honestly don't know if I could handle it. I think I'd have to be... I think I'd have to choose the other table. Because I don't... With my being, you know, like... 95% asexual I don't know if I could handle that much I don't know if I could handle everything that's happening at dinner with with Wolf and Mr. Williger I don't think I could handle it I think it would be too sexy (laughs) so I'd have to I'd have to be the hate table instead (laughs) I'll be the love sexy table you can be the Hate table, I think. Okay. Okay. And then on. The, okay. When we have our table meeting later on, we can tell each other what happened. I mean, maybe I can be a magical table and like flip over on them. Yeah, that would be good. It can be a rage table. Hot soup rage goes flip. right on the laps. Yeah, I can rage table flip myself, and that's what's gonna happen. Okay. Perfect. And you're going to have everything sexily brushed off. <sighs> yeah. This really okay. this this tell this tells everybody exactly what we read that's not for the podcast as well. <laughs> everybody lo- no everybody knows I love a romance book. I I I read anything romance to erotica it doesn't bother me. This is amazing. I want I want this table. <laughs> I want to see this. Oh, <laughs> this is the greatest question ever. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I feel like we should have surprise would you rather's more often. <laughs> oh. <sighs> What's our
our next question. This one's planned. It's a letdown now. Everything else has just fallen <laughs> since that. Oh, God. Would you rather have a tattoo to stop you turning into a Strigoi or to stop brainwashing powers of the alchemists? <sighs> brainwashing powers of the alchemists. Strigoi, you're a traditional vampire. I pick vampire. Yeah. So I yeah. don't want to be a I mean, that's really why I was. That's really why I was struggling so much with it. Like, I was trying to think of a way to not say, "I don't have a problem becoming Strigoi," so this isn't a thing for me. I'll be a Strigoi. It's fine. Yeah. Go I, back and listen to our other episodes. I would be Strigoi immediately. Yeah. I think it's so. established in fictional hangover law now that if the, if the option is vampire or something else, we will always pick vampire. Always. Always and forever we will pick vampire. I challenge the listeners to come up with a would you rather where we wouldn't pick the vampire. Oh, yeah. Good luck with that. Mm. Would you rather be a vampire who is also a sexy table? <laughs> yes. <laughs> No! Yes! I don't want to be the sexy table. Well, we found your question. I'm fine. (laughs) Challenge is still open. (laughs) I don't want to be a sexy table. Bring it! Bring on the breadsticks. (laughs) What's that? Garlic butter. Ooh. Or doves. Ooh. (gasps) Not a cheese board. Okay, next question. You can only choose one. Oh. There is no option C. Oh, fudge. Would you rather punch Zoe or punch the drunken bros? Oh, God, the drunk bros are dicks. Zoe's a dick. Zoe, I'm going to punch Zoe. Because Christian's going to set the drunk bros on fire. So, <laughs> bye bye. Bye now. Bye bye. Zoe, come yeah. here, love. Yeah. I, have a, I have a hate table to smash over your head. <laughs> and it's going to scream at you whilst I do it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm punching Zoe too. <laughs> yeah, because you're the table. <laughs> I know. You I have, have no to. choice in the matter. <laughs> but also, you know, Adrian hit one of those bros in the face with a tree branch and that is pretty intense you could hate God, i hated smack. those bros I hated those bros especially because they were like oh aren't you adrian Vajkov? can you like mess up my brain and he's like yeah i can <laughs> <laughs> aren't you supposed to mess with my head crash yeah it's 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 unfortunate that the drunk bros Oh, everywhere on the media at the moment as well. Mm, yeah. Can't get away from it. Goddamn reality. No. There's too many to punch. Yeah, we'll just get Christian to set them all on fire. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Right, okay. I can't beat this table question. It is the greatest question of all. <laughs> Mine's so much more serious, and I'm really sorry for that. What? <clears throat> so... You know I cannot be serious, though, in any situation. So I'm not sorry about my table question. You don't know. No, do not. That table question is the greatest would you rather question I've ever been asked. 
<laughs> I'm just delighted by it. I can't beat it. I can't beat it. Okay, so mine refers to the final scene in the book when Sydney is in the alchemist's compound, trapped in that metal box and being mm-hmm. tortured. Mm-hmm. It's not covered in the summary, so I, I'm going to have to set the scene. So, uh, a door lifts up, and behind the glass is Sydney's cross that Adrian carved. The alchemists offer Sydney that cross, but she turns it down. Would you rather turn down the cross and only have the memory of Adrian or accept the cross and how keep a memento? I'm giving it up. I'm giving it up because taking that cross, I mean, even though we know that Sydney will be faking it, it's like admitting defeat. Hmm. And I don't want to do that. I don't want that cross. I would rather set the room on fire. I would rather rage table flip myself than take that cross. Good answer. Adrian can make me another one. After you've saved yourself? Yes. Because Sydney would do that. You know Sydney. She's done it before. Oh, yeah. So what are you doing? Same. Same. I I kind of like, as that scene was unfolding, it was was torturous, which is good because that was the entire intent of the scene. Um, Yeah. And you just kind of like want to cry for Sydney. Go, no, take it. At least then you've got something to hold in your hand. You've got some kind of physical memento to be able to hold, literally hold on to but they're just ripping away from you again really and yeah. Sydney is right. What are they going to do? They're going to take it away. Something bad is going to happen if you accept it. Mm-hmm. So we'll keep the memory. And Sydney I would only hope to be half as strong as her. She's a very strong character. She's a very strong little yeah. person. Yeah. And when she puts her mind to something she'll bloody well accomplish it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, keep it, keep it, keep the memento in mind, not in body. Yeah. Okay. Such a very serious question to end on. Yeah, I was trying to think of something terrible because I know you love terrible questions, and I like, do love terrible really questions. Hard. Terrible things are my favorite. Yeah, so I was trying to think of something particularly terrible, and that was the best I could come up with. <sighs> as I was thinking it was about bad. it, but it's no date table. <sighs> We'll be chuckling about that all night now. Sexy table. <laughs> Sexy table and rage table. <sighs> Dining to make shirts. <laughs> but all it is is a table. It's just a, it's just a plain table. One but of one says one, sexy one of table. One a candle on it. Because that's the sexy table. Mm-hmm. And the rage table... I don't know, I think that one would be crumpled on the floor and beaten. See, I think it just needs to be plain tables. This The shirts need to look exactly the same, but one says sexy table and one says rage table. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. Yes, okay. <laughs> I have so many shirts. I have a backlog of shirts that I have to make. That is very But excuse true. me, I have to take a note. 
of the sexy table and the rage table. Where is my t-shirt? No, there it is. <laughs> okay, I've taken a note. Sexy table, rage table. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Favorite final thought quote? Um... <clears throat> If I'm perfectly honest, one of my favourite lines was actually the last one from Sydney. Yeah. Let's see what you've yeah. got. Wow, that was yeah. amazing. That was. That was intense. <sighs> I had to stop and just go like, whew. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it got, for all the fact that in the Vampire Academy, it got heavy when Dimitri was turned Strigoi. I don't feel yeah. like it ever got this heavy. Yeah. She is mine and I am hers. Oh, that one is very good. If you want to remold people, you had to break them down first. It's very good. And my one for fun is not not everything about me is cute. It really is though. It really is. <laughs> it really, really is. <sighs> what have you okay. got? <laughs> I feel like it's degenerated. I can't beat tables. It I mean, has. come on. No, no. The rest is just um, filler. I've got one serious one and two for fun. Okay. And my two for funs are both Angeline. Of course. Or about Angeline. First, you can't write an article on Wikipedia and then use it as a source in your own essay. I took primary source to a whole new level. She knows what a primary source is, though. I mean, give her some credit. She knows how to put things on Wikipedia. Yeah. That's a lot of credit. Did you know it's a lot harder to put organs back in the body than it is to get them out? <laughs> Seriously, that's one of the greatest lines in the entire book. It's so good. And then Sydney's like, what have you done? Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Who have you killed? <laughs> okay. Now my serious one. The center will hold. Now that's said throughout the entire book. And they're quoting poetry to each other. And it's really, really beautiful. And the whole time they're talking about this, like, don't worry. Everything's going to be great. We're going to be fine no matter what happens because the center will hold. And that's, that's even the line that Sydney gives to Eddie to activate the magic spell in Latin, of course. But she gives this message back because she knows that Eddie is going to tell Adrian, like, yeah, she sent me out here and she gave me this thing and I'm supposed to do a magic spell and it's it's the center will hold. Yeah. It's really, really. My God, that last few chapters... Yeah. Sledgehammer. It was a sledgehammer of emotions. Yeah, it really was. <sighs> Alright. If you liked this, try this. What are you suggesting? I'm suggesting a hashtag tenuous link to you. <laughs> <laughs> we do love a tenuous link. TM. We really, really do. TM. You do. You do. <sighs> so, yeah. Spot it from the summary. I'm recommending Howl's Moving Castle. By Diana Wynne Jones. Okay. Okay. 
Sophie has the great misfortune of being the eldest of three daughters, destined to fail miserably should she ever leap home to seek her fate. But when she unwittingly attracts the ire of the Witch of the Waste, Sophie finds herself under a horrid spell that transforms her into an old lady. Her only chance of breaking it lies in the ever-moving castle in the hills, the Wizard Howl's Castle. To untangle the enchantment, Sophie must handle the heartless howl, strike a bargain with a fire demon and meet the Witch of the Waste head-on. Along the way, she discovers there's far more to howl and herself than first meets the eye. Do you want to know the tenuous links? I do, other than the fact that there's far more to herself and others than meets the eye. It's the finding the magic believing in yourself asserting your own authority and dominance and autonomy um so it's not you know vampires and witches and magic which it is obviously there is the 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 witches and magic but it's the tones rather than the tropes okay hashtag tenuous link link. (laughs) what's yours mine is the program by suzanne young just thinking about this book, like, you're, why would you pick this one, Amanda? It doesn't have anything to do with anything, but it kind of does. Hashtag tenuous link. Hashtag tenuous link. <laughs> Sloane knows better than to cry in front of anyone. With suicide now an international epidemic, one outburst could land her in the program, the only proven course of treatment. Sloane's parents have already lost one child. Sloane knows they'll do anything to keep her alive. She also knows that everyone who's been through the program returns as a blank slate because their depression is gone, but so are their memories. Under constant surveillance at home and at school, Sloane puts on a brave face and keeps her feelings buried as deep as she can. The only person Sloane can be herself with is James. He's promised to keep them both safe and out of treatment, but Sloane knows their love is strong enough to withstand anything. But despite the promises they made to each other, it's getting harder to hide the truth. They are both growing weaker. Depression is setting in, and the program is coming for them. Mm. That sounds quite heavy, actually. Re-education. Um, yeah. I will say we've had a lot of... We, ha- we haven't had a lot of talk about mental health, but we have had some. Um, if you in any way, shape or form feel like you need or would benefit from talking to someone or you know, have mental health issues, please reach out to somebody, family, friend, um, somebody in authority who you feel comfortable with or whichever helplines you are applicable in your area because they can vary state to state and definitely country to country. So yeah. if you are comfortable to do so, get help. It really it, it really is a big step and it will, yeah. it will help you. And there's you. nothing at all to be ashamed of. No. Not even a little bit. Not, not even the tiniest bit. Nope. All right. <sighs> That's the end of the fiery heart. Do we have an appropriate indie spotlight? We have yet another tenuous link with our <laughs> indie spotlight. Tenuous link, TM. This Dude. one, this one actually just came in recently, and the book isn't even out yet. It comes out in March 2022. Oh. It's called The Man Who Came and Went by Joe Stillman. 15-year-old Belutha Mariah, our storyteller, is the oldest of three kids from three different fathers. 
Her life's goal is to keep her dysfunctional mom, Maybelle, from procreating yet again, and then to leave the coffin-sized town of Hadley, Arizona, the second she graduates high school. Along comes the new grill cook at Maybelle's diner, Bill Bill, a mysterious drifter with the ability to mind-read orders. As word spreads, the curious and desperate pour into this small desert town to eat at Maybell's. Some believe Bill knows the secrets of the universe. Belutha figures he's probably nuts. But his cooking starts to transform the lives of locals and visitors, and Belutha finds her angry heart opening, as Bill begins to show her the porous boundary between this life and what comes after. Hmm. Interesting. And that's out in March 2022. Yes. Cool. Yes. Tenuous link. Mind reading. Psychic (laughs) powers. Also, the line, angry heart. (laughs) Felt very fiery heart to me. (laughs) I've got a feeling by the last book in the series, we're just going to be going, I read this and I really liked it. It's got nothing to do with the story. Nope, nothing (laughs) at all. (laughs) All right, so that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Hey, everyone, don't forget about our Halloween special. Ooh, it's spooktacular. You can watch that this weekend. Watch it on Halloween. And if you're listening after the fact, you can watch our Halloween special on YouTube. Yes. And everywhere else. We're going to share it all over the place. But Amanda, who is going to join us? We are going to be joined by... Kendara Blake, <gasps> Don Kurtigich, Cat Ellis, oh, wow. Amy McCaw, <gasps> and Cynthia Murphy, yeah. our favorite ladies of horror. <laughs> there will be costumes, there will be horror chat, there will be movies yes. and books and gruesome would you rather terrible would you rather which is our favorite thing i'm really excited for that and i hope that everyone will enjoy watching this this is something different definitely something that we've never done before having a nice author panel without talking about a specific book it's gonna be weird i don't know what to do with myself i know (laughs) i think i might just sit there and smile and let them talk amongst themselves and just be like happy that i'm involved yeah it'll be great (laughs) just better hope that the curse of don kurtigich doesn't affect us in this she needs to lift that curse it's like (laughs) it's a kurtigich a kursigich kursigich yes (laughs) all right Join us next time. (laughs) Not in that video. That's separate. That's different. That's not a regular episode. No, no. It's a very special thing. Yes. Join us in our regular episodes. The next one, as we discuss Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite table shirts. (laughs) and become a patron of ours on patreon at patreon.com slash fictional hangover 
Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. Is a tenuous link. <laughs> tenuous link. The um... sexy table. Rage table. No. Oh. oh, that was delightful. <laughs> you can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you'd like this episode, check out our others and rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.